Marlon Brando met with Michael Jackson. This is the focus group. It's the savvy side of nine to five. Listen. Bueller. 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 Laugh. <laughs> and learn. Negotiation. This is what you do in business. This is the focus group with Tim Bennett. S T A U N C H. And John Nash. Keep your clothes looking neat and clean. We're all business. Except when we're not. Welcome to the Focus Group. John Nash here with my good friend and co-host, Mr. Tim Bennett. It is the beginning of September. The kitties are going back to school. Hey, focusgroupradio.com is our website, and that's all you need to know about us is there. So focusgroupradio.com, that includes the audio and video, the video from today's show, the audio is there as well. Also available on Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, etc., and our podcast, Unbuttoned. If you don't know about it, by all means, check it out. And uh, it's once a week, about 20 minutes long, three topics. Tim and I like to say that it's a little more edgy. <laughs> That's a perfect look on your face, like, eh, ish. We're told it could be edgier. Ish. We've been told to be edgier. That is true. That is true. So welcome to Calendar Fall. And why is everybody pushing this season? I don't know, and it's not really fall yet. Because no, every, and everyone's pushing the season. I can understand putting away the white bucks. Well, that's a rule. That's, that, a rule. that's, that's like from Serial Mom, right? Right, which is posted to our Facebook page today, by the way. <laughs> Did you friend really of ours, do that? friend of mine, Bernadette, who listens to the show, she had sent me this GIF. Is that how you say it? It's a GIF, yeah. GIF. I would go with and, GIF, um, yeah. So it's, it's the Serial Mom where she's looking... It uh, just Kathy, keeps repeating. She, she's looking at the white bucks in the courtroom. <laughs> <laughs> that movie is so, I love that movie. And it's because of Kathleen Turner and her portrayal as that crazy mother. She's right? sitting there looking at it and then, then she says, you, you, it's after Labor Day or whatever. And that, that rule doesn't matter. Yeah, oh no, it, yes it does. So does she beat her with a phone or something? Yeah, she, basically. And then she does that thing where she would crank call all the time. I love that. that. That was the best. So one of my favorite things about living in New York, um, and a, a lot of us who live in the city will tell you that sometimes we don't want to live here. Um, it's expensive. It could be loud and dirty. But my favorite thing about New York City is the people. I thought you were going to say the pizza. Uh, you and I have not. Garrett turned us on to good pizza down by Penn Station. Which we haven't had since then. We haven't had a long time. Um, anyway, I ran into my... I never get you to go out and get pizza. I'm not a... Uh, I'm not a... I like pizza. I like it a lot, but I have, it has to be a certain kind of pizza, you know. Anyway, I ran into my neighbor, Barbara, and Barbara lives in my building, and uh, she's a really great woman, lives down the hall, and we ran into each other near the grocery store, and she's getting ready to go on a trip to Europe, and she's going to Albania. Have you ever wanted to go to Albania? No. <laughs> well, it's a unique destination, so we're talking. Does she, she know people there or something? There's a whole uh, a favored uncle of hers set up a school there many years ago before the war. And then the State Department worked with him. It was an interesting story of how she has a connection to Albania. But she wanted me to check out something later. I was, I was going to help her look at something. And I said, I'll stop by later. She, said, she goes, come by tomorrow. It's perfect. I'll be getting my stuff ready for packing. She's thinking about what to wear and what to bring. And I just randomly said, are, are you packing for carry-on? And she instantly said... I don't pump gas and I don't do carry on. <laughs> so that was my second, like that was the second time yesterday or today that a quotable quote comes to me. I love that How one. How old is she? Barbara's probably early 80s, maybe. Early 80s? Yeah, I don't pump gas and I don't do carry on. 
That's a rule to live by, right? I'm, I agree with her about the carry-on. I like to pump gas because it's quicker. That's what I don't like about New Jersey. New Jersey is the only place. I think Oregon used to be the only it's other a place. law. Right, but it was the law in New Jersey and Oregon for a long time, and I think Oregon actually actually has lightened up on it. But in Jersey still, you have to let them pump your gas, and sometimes it takes them too long, I think. I had Costco gas for the very first time ever. So on the way back from, we, we had a photo shoot you and I did down in Philadelphia. We were photographing products for uh, one of our clients, and on the way home, I wanted to go to Costco, and Tim said, well, there's one right around the corner from where we're at, but if you're buying frozen stuff, you might want to go a little closer north. So I went to the one in Edison, New Jersey, which is maybe about 25 minutes from our apartment, half an hour. First of all, as Tim has noted before, if you're a Costco fan or shopper, every store is a little different with stock. So I found some stuff I've never seen before. I found things that you've recommended. Did you get the cauliflower? We got the What'd cauliflower. Think? I think it's delicious. It's it's, it's well, it's 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 like having mashed potatoes, but it's cauliflower. It's fantastic. They this was the store that had the full wine and spirits. They had a whole section of <clears> Costco. <throat> uh, by the way, Kirkland and Kirkland stuff. And our friends Pat and Gary, they now know our secret because I think we talked about how I'll buy the Kirkland vodka and pour it into the Tito. <laughs> so now they know when they come over to the house if they want a Tito's and tonic, they're really getting Kirkland and tonic, which tastes the same or or better. Well, because because we think that it's actually the Grey Goose that's in Grey the Goose or yeah. Kettle One or something. So um, I leaving, I get I get to the car and I notice that there's a whole gas station right on the parking lot of Costco, and I just stare at it and I realize it's Costco gas. My mother's husband's talked to me about this before, so I drive up. There are lines, very efficient. They put two cars up at once, and yes, somebody had to come out and pump the gas, but it was at least. 30 to 35 cents cheaper per gallon. Wow. Which was actually surprising. Did you have to give me your Costco card? Yeah, you, you showed the card, but apparently, according to the woman that took it, she goes, we really don't worry about that. As long as you're here, you're, you're shopping on the Costco property. But Costco gas, yeah, there you go. I haven't done the Costco gas. I've seen it. I, I just haven't done it. You don't, do you have it at your uh, location? Not at the ones I go to, but there are some that I've been to that do have it, and I just don't bother with it. But I should check it out for the for the price of it. I'm going to re rewind a little bit. What kind of pizza do you like? Well, I like thin crust. So there was a particular type of pizza you wanted. I like thin crust, plain old marinara sauce, and some cheese. That's it. And, and if you th actually no pepperoni or sauce, can I, can I be mushroom? really truthful yeah. with you? The favorite, my favorite <laughs> pizza was introduced to me by you. In California, pizza, California pizza, pizza kitchen? kitchen, the bar, the chicken, the barbecue chicken pizza. See, I never think those are real pizzas, only because <laughs> what? pizza it's to got, me, it's got dough. Nope. And <laughs> pizza is a red sauce and cheese, and then maybe a pepperoni and a sausage and mushroom. When you say a pepperoni, you mean slices. Like slices. Of I, I don't plural. like all this. So I'm going to have barbecue this, or I'm going to have pineapple and ham, or all this other nonsense. Basic pizza: cheese, tomato sauce, and then you have some meats. <laughs> What do the boys in the booth think about pizza? Plain. Plain? I go for plain all the time. Plain anchovy. old marinara. Yeah. Anchovy? You Anchovies do not. On my pizza. I swear to God. It's I'll so do delicious. anchovy too, but it's my Are you guys pizza. serious? You Steve like anchovy? and anchovy eaters. Yeah, it's like really salty and delicious. And <sighs> yeah. Do you put it, do you, will you take the anchovies on a Caesar salad? Ugh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's the only thing Request that makes the salad them. any good. You were like the only two. I, I could not find. I could not go outside and find two people that agree on anchovies. If you and I carried around a fifty-dollar bill, like yeah, I, I 
two, two at the same, they're sitting next to each other, right. too. It's not like random two people from Manhattan. <laughs> you discussed anchovies before you it was, two? It was fake. You did probably like a few weeks ago, just yeah. by accident, I guess. Huh. You had a pizza conversation, and he brought up anchovies, and we both. Yeah, guys, when, did, when did you? Yeah. What, what, what? <laughs> I remember the first time I ever tasted anchovy. I, no way. I was like, yeah, no. Sometimes they look a little too hairy. Is yeah. it hair on them, or what is it? Bones. Tiny, tiny bones that, yeah. Bones. It's even worse than hair. <laughs> well, it's bones. You're saying. <laughs> better quality anchovies don't get, like, caught in your throat like yeah. that. But puts hair in your chest. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the, the premium anchovies, they right. go down smooth, right? Bones sardines? and all. Will you eat the sardines out of a can? All the time. I would, yeah. See, my father does that. My father used to do that as a kid with a snack. Oh, you know, those, no. They kind of the oblong can. Yeah. Packed in oil yeah. or whatever. He, he would always, he loved them. Is that the them. kind of the key? No. Yeah. You wait till they go on sale for a dollar a tin at the grocery <laughs> store and you stack up. Yeah. I couldn't get over eating the heads and the skin. The heads aren't heads are usually gone. on it. Yeah, no heads. Sometimes it's, heads on the it. The bones in it, but not the head. I don't know. Is it this? Are sardines salty? Is that? No, yeah. no, uh, no, not sardines. Are they oily? They, they they're usually in packed oil, in, yeah. oil, packed in yeah. oil. I'll get you a can for your birthday. No, you don't. No, don't even bother. I'll <laughs> give it to the boys in the booth. <laughs> I think you should try them though, John. Do you like sardines? No, I mean I've had them out places where they've had them as an appetizer. Now it's kind of like kale. You know, throw sardines away, use it for fish chum. But now people eat it. They've been eating them forever. My dad's been eating them forever. So many, many, many years ago, my very first advertising client for the gay market was the Netherlands Board of Tourism, NBT. And they used to love, they were a fun, fun bunch. And one time, Kees Boselaar, the guy that ran it, he was Dutch, but he lived in New York. And he would, they cycle through. One day he says, you got to come to the Kipperfest. Oof. Okay, so you know where I'm going, right? So I was like... Kipper, he goes, oh, this is a traditional Dutch thing, the Kipper. So we go to the Oyster Bar in Grand Central Station, which is a great old, you know, vaulted brick thing. All the Dutch are there, and he's waiting because he knows I'm not going to. And they showed us the correct way of eating the Kipper. You got to, you know. Did you eat it? Well, it's a client. <laughs> so it's, this is one of the things where you're trapped, right? It's your client. They're writing the checks. They want you to have a Kipper. You're like, okay. <laughs> Did you chew it? Did you eat it? They, so, so it was him, his assistant, this really fun woman, I forget her name, now, Christiana, I think is her name, and two other guys, and they, we were all worked together, so they knew me, so they were, he made sure they were around when I did the Kipper, and apparently the look on my face was worth the cost well, of it. they knew your number. Because the minute I finished, and I could barely get it, like, I was, they were all start laughing, and he's like, don't you worry, no more Kippers for you. But then the woman later, she goes, oh, we just did that. Uh, she goes, you, you, you performed admirably. I was like, thanks. You know, Ugh. sardines, kippers, and ugh, anchovies. Ugh. Well, you don't know, you're not very adventurous with food anyway. <laughs> You've gotten more adventurous since I've met you and forced you to have certain you're things. You're not very adventurous. You're not adventurous at all with foods. food. You're not. Hmm. Never have been. You no, don't. You, you know, don't like sushi. You pretend you do. You don't like it. I don't like. You no, don't like raw the fish. Only time I liked sushi, and you, I bet you can guess when I liked. Sushi. No boo. No boo. It was all full of little special sauces. It was all that's treated. That's why you liked it. Yeah, and and you knew that was going to happen when I had it. It was a hard rock. Like eating candy. That's the candy of sushi. They slather it with so much crap. You're just really eating the <laughs> eating the syrups. <laughs> Got to get sushi. Nagiri. I'm, not, I'm not. Are you guys the sushi fans? Oh yeah. 
Yes, very much so. Really? Yeah. 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 Could you imagine if I ate anchovies and hated sushi? <laughs> Steve, touche. Yeah, that's a very good logic line there. I, I agree. I agree. I, I'll, I'll buy it. Yeah. I had a friend of mine who used to say, God bless him, he's dead, you know, John P. Brown. Oh, yeah. I remember one time, and he was very kind of this man about world and, and, and very much a bon vivant. And I would have thought he was right up, you know, in under the sushi. And so he went out to a sushi restaurant and he goes, let's leave immediately because I want my food cooked. It's like, okay. Let's leave. It's like, I don't eat my food unless it's cooked. <laughs> All right. He had, you could, we could do, and I, I'm, a just, book of his I'm quotes. being dead serious. You could do a whole John P. Brown show. Yeah. Because there are so many things that he said and Wisdom. did. Well, it's, and it's, if you combine that with a show he could never do, it would be Band at the Ranch. Yeah. That's the, when you worked at the Headhunter. Oh. Oh, that show would be. That would be, we'd have to put like an explicit rating. You know, it might be worth doing though. People used to act and talk a certain way, right? That was the way you did business. Did All right. They hired a headhunter to find a, a specific person, not just anybody. <laughs> Very specific. I, these, I wish I could share You'll, right? someday. Right, that's what happens. So what caught your eye? What caught your eye? Here's what Tim and John found. Speaking of being, speaking of being politically correct, which I guess where we were going there, this, this one really fried me. <laughs> This was um, like like fried, like you put your finger in. This a was from socket. CNN. And so many of you who have followed the show for the last eleven, going on twelve years, know that uh, I have Canadian roots and Canadian heritage, but on the English. Oh, side. Canada! Oh, Canada! But the, the English side. So many people know Canada's got two li two official languages: French, mm -hmm. or as Canadian the French would French. say, French Canadian. Thank you. The French and, are very specific and English. about that. Yeah. And when it happened back in the seventies, eighties, probably the eighties, my grandmother was wound up. They lived in Nova Scotia. She was born in England. And she would be very upset by it because she said it would be as if the state of New York decided the other 49 states also need to speak German. And you've never spoke German before. Got it. And you're making all the non-German speaking yeah. states, because there's a lot of people who speak German in New York, the whole, they have to learn German in Hawaii. And you're going to have to you're going to have to be able to cater to all the German language people as well as so it used to tune her up. And then I had relatives on both sides of the family. That was my dad's side, my mom's side. They had a big campground in, in New Brunswick, and I remember one summer we were up there, and my uncle had to go away to do something with my grandparents, and he said, you know, mine the campground. He said, if anybody comes in, here's the menu for how much things are for the plugins and whatever. And he said, unless the French come in, charge them full price. And I, and I said, why? He says, because they learn English real quick. He said, they're going to come in here and they're going to speak French. We don't speak French. They're going to want us to speak French. We don't speak French. I'm not learning French in my 70s. He said, so when they come in and start speaking French, I just charge them the full price. They learn English real quick. So he said, that's... In other words, he'll say, here's what you're being charged. And then suddenly they'll say, well... Oh, no, no, wait, the science is... Oh, you do speak English. So... <laughs> that's... Boy, I see the origins of your... So the precursor... Is that your grandfather that said that? That was my mom's side of the family. So, okay, my, I got it. My yeah. grandfather's brother-in-law. I see where you get it from. Uncle I Forrest, see where you get it from. Forrest and Lottie Wiggins had a campground. Uh, there you in go. My grandmother, Florence Bennett, had the... She was the one about the example of German. So this is the headline. Air Canada has to pay $15,000 to a couple... Ah, uh, yes. ...because the word lift was not engraved on the seatbelts in French. So... <laughs> 
If you go on the to, buckle, right? On the buckle, which was probably made in Leitazuni by Boeing or something. If you go to the next page, so if you're walking to, so if you go close up on that buckle, that's an airline seat buckle. It usually says lift right lift. there. Yeah. So they sued and won $15,000 because that also was not engraved in French on the Air Canada plane. They won, even if the words weren't there, there are pictures showing you how to use it. First of all, is there anybody in the world, third world including, that doesn't know how to use a seatbelt? That was one of my pet peeves on an airplane when they have to show you how to insert the buckle and lift it. Does anyone not know how to do that? Do you, have you ever met anyone that doesn't know how to use a seatbelt? Anyone? Steve's saying no. Computer says no. So let me just read what happened. A recent complaint turned into a lawsuit, which led to a windfall for two travelers. The federal court in Canada ordered Air Canada to pay more than $15,000, 21,000 Canadian, to send a formal apology letter to a French-speaking couple in Ottawa who repeated, who said um, Air Canada repeated language equality violations. The lawsuit concerned more than 22 complaints by Michael and Linda Thibodeau, and they filed this lawsuit back in 2016. This isn't the first time they filed lawsuits. It's not like a fun couple. <laughs> Apparently, they've also... Um, a said, litigious couple. <laughs> litigious couple. They've also complained in 2005, 2011, and 2012 that Air Canada had violated their French language rights. So, as it is in Canada... Um, oh, they also alleged the French translations of the words exit and warning were in smaller characters than the English words, and that the French language boarding announcement at the airport was less detailed than the English boarding announcement. So they knew both. Of course they, knew they both. did. Okay, this is crazy. Air Canada systematically violates our linguistic rights as francophones, according to the Thibodeaux. Did you practice that? The no. Francophones, Thieb of the yeah. So they said that they've, they've actually sued the first time in the, in, in the Canadian charter, uh, the Canadian courts had kicked it out. But uh, so there is a Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms in the Official Languages Act, which is to ensure that English and French are given equal status in Canada. So that's how they won. So they, uh, they ended up winning all of this money. They said that the airline, the airline though did argue that the decision to engrave lift on the seatbelts was not an Air Canada issue, but a issue of where they had purchased manufacturing, the manufacturing yeah, issue Airbus from the airplane. Or, and but, by the way, if you buy a plane from Airbus, the buckles come with the word lift, and Airbus is a French company. So yeah. I. So um, they said that Thibodeau said that they should be serving the francophone customers the same way they serve the English and the Anglophones and blah, 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 blah. So they went on. They said they'll still keep flying Air Canada, but what it Well, what yeah, I would keep flying. They have money for plenty of tickets now, right? Yeah. I, I um... We're not, know. you know, we're not doing a lot of things. We didn't invent Facebook. We're not suing enough people. Apparently, if you keep suing, you're going to get something, right? You know, here's my other thing. I know we don't have official language in our country, in the United States. But I think we should, because that's why India is a mess. And I think this is a problem with Canada. It's because... It's, and, and again, because you, you've got this, you're, you're placing two, two things against each other. Or there you when go. you see press conferences in the government and the prime minister has to answer one question in French, one in English, blah, blah, blah. But with us, because we've all come in the United States or as Americans, we all come from somewhere else. And most of us come from places that spoke a different language. The only thing we have in common is our language. 
in some regards. If we have different religions, we have different cultures, different nationalities of places are different. Um, so if we don't have a formal... We don't have... We're one of the but, few countries that doesn't have an official language. if I language. rephrased it and said to you, what is the language of business? Well, the language of business and commerce and education is English. Yeah. However, um, we've kind of gone down this rat hole, a rabbit hole, where we're now teaching in multiple languages in schools, which never used to happen. You can get a driver's test in 31 different languages, languages in California. Yeah. If you can't read the sign in English, you shouldn't be in a car. Well, you I don't go driving cars in Japan because I can't read the letters. And that was, I was just going to bring up one big thing. Japan was one of the few countries that was slow to actually begin adding other languages to the road signs and stuff as tourism increased. But for years, they were adamant. If, if, if you, that's, that's can't our, read Japanese. Yeah. I shouldn't be on the road because I'm in danger. So I get it. I'm in your country. I should speak your language. So <laughs> anyway, I do think that I think we're going down a slippery slope in this country. This is a very far right opinion, though. I mean, the Democrats and everybody believe we should just, you know, have commerce and speak in any language we want to speak in. I don't agree. I don't know what you agree. I, I, you, I, you, I would say that um, you think we I already kind of gave my answer. Language? Well, I think I, I defer to the language of business, which is if, if, if most countries tell their population to learn English as a second language because that's the business world, yeah, I, I would go with English as our, our language, right? So do you think we should have a, do you think we should make it our official language? I don't see why not. Yeah, okay, we agree. I, I would put it, my mom just brought this up the other day. When my great-grandmother arrived um, from she Germany, spoke German? she never spoke German again. Right, or she might have spoken at home with family, and that's fine. There, nope, there was a hard and fast rule that she was now an American and she was going to speak English. So that, there you go, right? If, if, if she thought that the, our language... Do you know that, do you know what our official language almost was? <sighs> no. One vote. The vice president voted. It was, it was a deciding vote. The, the colonies, they were deciding between English and what do you think the other language was? Couldn't it be French, could it? It was German. It was German. And by one oh, vote, yeah. English won by one vote. And can you, they, historians have done a very interesting take on this and thought, what would have happened in World War I or II if we were a German-speaking country? Oh, that's fascinating. Something to think about. I mean, if we were, That's a, so fascinating if we were a huge German-speaking country and World War II breaks out with the Germans, yeah, cause they, would it have been different because we culturally may have been... I was going to say, they, they linked language very closely to, to nationalism. Yeah. So that's interesting. So that caught my eye. So what caught my eye is, a, is one that really is going to catch all your eyes, especially we're going to have to talk to Garrett and Steve in the booth about this one, too. <laughs> it was a letter to an advice column... I'm just going to read the letter because here we go. Dear How to Do It, I'm a 27-year-old straight woman. I recently dated a man for several months who was odd about sex. He frequently mentioned that he had a small penis, which he did. <laughs> That's what she says. And that oral sex was what made him a good lover. I don't particularly care for oral sex, but I cared for him very much. There were a lot of problems in the relationship outside of sex. He had a bit of a cruel streak, and then there would be an apology spiral, and we eventually broke up. I have moved on, and I'm dating a lovely man, but yesterday my ex sent me an email saying that he was bottoming for men he met online the whole time we were dating. He said he's straight but curious, and he felt he needed me to know and wanted me to accept him. Parentheses, I didn't get any STIs from him, and he said he used protection. 
I'm sort of floored. I'm not sure why he told me and what this meant about our months together, which loom larger in my mind than they probably should. I think he should embrace his sexuality, but how am I supposed to respond to this information? He was an asshole and made me feel terrible as a girlfriend, but I'm thinking that he has a lot of repressed sexual shit, and I want to be there for him to realize it. What do I say? Would, could you... All right. If, if someone... A, a, a woman says, my ex was bottoming for men the entire time we were dating, but he's just curious and exploring... Would, in what curious as once. <laughs> curious. There you go. If curious as once. If I were her, I'd type back and say, I, could, I, I understand why I'd be a bottom because you had such a small penis. And that would have, he probably didn't kill himself. But, and then let's go to the health thing here, right? So he claims he was using protection, but didn't he put her at risk too? Because that's the more... Uh, He's gay. Well, guys, like, I'm, I'm not crazy, right? If you read... If someone or read gender nonconforming. I mean, what are we supposed to say? I was shocked. I, I just don't know how you would like process this if you're her. You know, it's just it was just weird. Boys, are you you guys are you guys speechless in the booth about her? Um, I think he's just gay. Yeah, I think it's pretty. And she yeah. needs to look in the mirror. <laughs> What's that mean? Well, if you're attracted to that type of person, there's something. Yeah, you know, Garrett. Back yeah. in your if, subconscious, that's attracted to him for a reason. If, if yeah. You like gay guys with small dicks, maybe you should. You don't just randomly find a guy and like him, and he happens to be doing this secretly, and then after you break up, write you an email just to hurt you again and stuff. Like, there's something happened to her background too. I'm guessing. You know, uh, Garrett the Wise. GTW. It's like Gandalf, the wizard or something. <laughs> but, you know, you're right, because she did say earlier that he had a cruel streak. Yeah. So he was clearly not a nice person at times. And then you throw this in. But She should have reinforced that he had a small penis. That's what I would have done. <laughs> hey, well, That's why things. he's bottoming, right? That's right. That's what I would have said. You're bottoming because you've got a small penis. I feel sorry for you. <laughs> I hope you find what you're looking for. But let's not forget. Let's go back to your first thing. Curious is once. Yeah. And it, she doesn't say how long they were dating, but if it was months, then you could assume that there was more than once. I just, I, I just, my mouth opened when I read this. And the reply, by the way, was one paragraph. And the person, the advice columnist replied basically saying, do what your heart tells you to do, but I need a follow-up to this letter. <laughs> so she basically said, the woman who was the advice, she said, do what you want to do. But let me know how this turns out, because I'm sure she was just as skeptical as we are, you know, about this. But anyway. Oh. Hmm. So it looks like go. we have a call here. Hey, Billy. Is Billy still on? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me want to crack open a can of sardines. <laughs> I know. I know. Or have some kipper or some anchovies. Yeah. Hmm. Well, you certainly have covered a wide range of topics today. <laughs> and that's even before getting to business things. Yeah. You know, like keep your checkbook balanced and <laughs> and count your pennies or whatever it is. But, yeah, Billy, you're right. We're all over the map today. Bye. Uh, I have to do a little damage control from last month's call-in because I got red on it. Red on? What, what happened? Well, you and I had discussed that thing about the, the doll last month, the anatomically correct doll from Japan. Oh, my, my, no, no, Billy, that is my artist posing artist, assistant yes, model. Yeah. <laughs> Tim would say that's a dolly. It's, it's a, dolly. a dolly, but I call it my artist helper, yeah. 
I had mentioned something about the size of a penis and the Asian connection, and of course, I got shit about it. It You're was kidding. a joke, people. It was merely a joke. You're kidding me. Where'd you get Where'd you get in trouble on the Facebook feed or something? Facebook personal friends are like, "How could you say that was very racist?" I says, well, I, "It was a joke." Please, you know, Move Billy. On. Um, that's, I, I have a friend, a good, a good friend who, who's, uh, Asian. He, he was born here, but his, his family hails from Japan over lunch one day. And he's straight. He, he literally just said, he goes, by the way, he goes, you all, you're, he goes, everybody's aware that culturally we're known to have, we're supposed to have small penises. Yeah. I didn't say a word. He goes, it's okay. He goes, we're just having a conversation. And and I said, well, that's sort of the stereotype. I don't know if it's true. He goes, no, it's not true. He goes, it's like everything. Everybody comes in all shapes and sizes. Because I just wanted to confirm that that was a stereotype. Yeah, so he, he knew that we were not talking about, you know, yeah. Anyway, that's... They've been upset if you said African-Americans are, are larger than, than other people. Well, because of my friends that... I can say from personal experience, everyone, that I know better because I have seen some love dragons in my day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I don't know. Well, I'm sorry you got in trouble for it. I get in trouble all the time, though, Billy, for my mouth, so I understand it. We used to get in trouble. We get in trouble for calling the guys in the booth the boys, the boys in the booth. We get lots of lots of. of well, we get positive uh, feedback. We get po- we're not all positive. This says we're being uh, we're being yeah. dismissive by calling them the boys in the and booth. It, or we used to call the girls and we had girls. two women that we had Katie Serious. and and uh, Carol, yeah, and and they loved it. They were like, don't call don't call them girls. Oh yes, yes, back at XM, yes. Yeah, we weren't allowed to call them girls. We they didn't mind. Maybe well, they, maybe, you know, uh, John, I will bring you a cans of sardines again next weekend if you want. <laughs> They're going to fly in on the plane, right? You should airdrop them, I suppose. We could, we could recreate a World War II airdrop of food supplies. I'm going to get John sardines for his birth, or no, anchovies maybe are sardines for his birthday. Oh. Arp card. Uh, I don't have the word lift on my seatbelt buckle in the plane either, so. <laughs> no words at all. <laughs> all right, Billy. Uh, okay, um, John, maybe I'll see you again. I'll Hopefully. You know. I got all the info when, uh, on the fly-in, and I, I hope it's going to be a beautiful day. I think it will. Yeah. Um, so thanks for calling, my Safe friend. Early. And don't take – yeah, everybody, let's not be so serious, right? I mean – Yeah, so we're, we're, if, if this was Frank DeCarroll, I would be in no trouble at all. <laughs> <laughs> that's true that's true you know what frank we still laugh about frank does something where like he'll say when he was on the air like he'll bring up a celebrity she's dead you know or he's dead you know bob still loves that he's i don't dead. know why he's dead you know frank would do that yeah really makes me want to break out that cookbook <laughs> ah, the dead celebrity cookbook all right billy thanks for calling thanks billy. Bye, guys. Bye. So our business birthday today. Everyone does celebrity birthday greetings, but the Focus Group is the only show in the universe that celebrates business birthdays. This is one of these people that has a bio that's like a novel, or or not a novel, but a a hundred pages long. So I tried to scale it down, and I'll try to scale it down even more, but celebrating, or no, he's not celebrating, he's dead. (laughs) He's dead, you know. He's dead, you know. He died at 65. Uh, born today, September 4th in 1846, is Daniel Hudson Burnham. Do you know who he is? Was an American architect and urban designer. Burnham, he, sure. He okay. was an environmentalist and also a supernatural aficionado. He said if he had more time, he'd be able to, he'd be able to prove that there's an afterlife. 
He just didn't have time. Do you know Harry Houdini? I guess they're around the He was time. director of works for the World's Columbian Exposition in Chicago, which they referred to as the White City. Remember that? I do. Yeah, that's Ferris wheel was introduced there. He took a leading role in the creation of master plans for the development of a number of cities, including Chicago, Manila in the Philippines, Washington, D.C. He also designed several famous buildings, including the Flatiron Building here in New York City of the Triangular Shape. Union Station in Washington, D.C., the Continental Trust Building, and uh, Tower Skyscraper in Baltimore. A number of buildings all over the country. Essentially, if there was a skyscraper or something that was built between... You say he did Union... That's a picture of Union yeah. Station in D.C., right? Yeah. It's a it, beautiful station. Pretty much, if you look at the list of his... his um, his feats, if you were any major city in the country between 1896 and 1912, he probably had something to do with the building of one of the grand buildings in your city. Uh, the list is just exhaustive of, of things he's done. But uh, I, I laugh because he said that he was not a good student, but he was good at drawing. So at 18, they got him a private tutor. He wanted to go to Harvard or Yale, but he failed to get in either because he had test anxiety. But years later, he got um, honorary degrees at both, which was which was somewhat funny. Kind of sweet revenge, right? Right. He tried his luck at uh, all kinds of different positions and ended up finally landing as a job as an architect. And um, in 1881, the firm that he worked with built the Montauk Building, which was the tallest building in Chicago at the time. It was so tall, they didn't really know what to call it. And that's how they came up with the name Skyscraper. It was coined by a journalist, Thomas Talmadge. Sky, all right. He was an architectural critic. So he goes on and on with all the stuff he did. I'm not going to get into it all because I think it could get into the weeds. But um, he wanted to design, redesign San Francisco after the earthquake, but they said it would take too much time. But I, I, could, I wonder what it would have looked idea. like had he had a chance the earthquake, to, yeah. had he had a chance to do it. Same thing happened in a number of other cities. They just said they didn't have the time for him to do it. He... Um, Interesting story about him. He, on April 14, 1912, he and his wife were aboard the SS Olympic, traveling to Europe to go tour Heidelberg, Germany. He tried to send a telegram to his friend Frank Millet, or Millet, who was traveling in the opposite direction on the Titanic. They're sister ships, you know. Yeah, and they're almost identical. The so Titanic he, was longer, but... So he learned on the, on the journey that uh, his friend had died in the... Oh, how uh, weird. ...sinking of the Titanic. And he was on the sister ship when he learned. Yeah, he sent a telegram and learned that the ship had sank and then his friend did not survive. He ended up dying. Burnham died 47 days later from colitis and diabetes and food poisoning from a meal he ate in Heidelberg. Wow. Uh, Frank Lloyd Wright was, uh, did not like him, <laughs> but admired him and said he was masterful at his method and uh, was an enthusiastic promoter of great construction enterprises, a powerful personality with supreme being. So, um, but the list of stuff, Union Station, we mentioned the Marshall Field um, department store in Chicago and his final, the final building he actually, he did the Wanamakers in Philly. He did um, the very, very final project he worked on was Filene's department store in Boston that he, he designed and built. His firm, at the time when he died, was the largest in the world, largest architecture firm. And it, um, the successor firm to his practice from the late 1800s was a company in, called Graham, Anderson, Probst, and White, which continued up in 2006. So it was around quite a while. I should have known Burnham when you said the name because I studied architecture in college. And he and Stanford White 
and a few other architects literally define the skylines of most American yeah. cities with their their building designs. And they said, you know, there was that book. The um, there was a book, famous book that was written about um, about the. Uh, the exposition in Chicago. What, was the, it called Devil's. Well, it's Devil in the White City. Yeah, and that was a, it. Was a great. It's a fun story because it, it's a historical fiction, right? Yeah. I mean, it takes place in a real thing, but the and he and he's uh, he he's featured well in that uh, well in that book as well. So happy that that it. Chicago um, World's Fair expo Columbian exposition. A lot of stuff happened. He was involved. The Ferris wheel was introduced at that. Yeah, they said that, you know, they were actually, they were going to make it very modern. That was their whole... So it was going to be a very modern, futuristic sort of thing, and they wanted to also do a little bit of a Beaux-Arts look to it, as it, they were calling it um, Paris on the Prairie. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right, Paris <laughs> the on the guy, Prairie. The other partner died, and so a bunch of architects came in and take it over, and they took all his designs away, and it ended up doing what they did. Which looked great, but it didn't look futuristic, no. for sure. Hey, uh, if you're a friend of the show, then you must be a friend of Deep Discount. You can get to Deep Discount by visiting focusgroupradio.com and clicking on Sharky the Shark. Arr, it's the shark logo. The puppet's not here this week. He'll may come back. And, and I don't know, why, by the way, why I do a pirate. It's the sea. It's the chanty. It's, you know, who knows what I do. Pirates get sharks, I wonder. <laughs> Dude, pirates, what? Did they have? Well, there's a shark issues with the pirates. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know if we ever saw any shark issues with I the think pirates. Whale issues. Arr. I've got a cough drop in my mouth. If anyone's listening. I so uh, anyway, Deep Discount um, <laughs> is a partner of ours here on the show, and this month is Criterion Month, and and me and Tim and I love Criterion titles because of all the extra footage, <clears throat> interviews, and backstory and back matter they give you. Plus, when Criterion takes a title and releases it, it's usually in a beautiful, cleaned-up print with gorgeous sound. So I always recommend a Criterion title if it's one of your favorite movies. So we're going to be giving away some Criterion titles this month. And we're going to play Pick That Flick, which is a game we used to do over on the old network. And uh, this month, we're going to talk about this this week. Sorry, we're going to talk about um, this first giveaway is for a beautiful box set. It's kind of big of Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing, uh, 1989 this is his 1989 masterpiece confirmed him as a writer and filmmaker of peerless vision and passionate social engagement. Do the Right Thing is a fun movie. Ever see it? Yeah. Why is it a box set? What's it come with? There's, there's a lot of stuff in here. There's multiple discs. Um, What's their interviews and total? Yeah. Backstory. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at all. And this whole section down here is all the extras, all the make and, and how it's culturally impacted people the whole bit. So if you want to win a copy of Do the Right Thing. Here's what we're going to do. Garrett is going to play for us an audio clue. If you know the name of the movie this clue came from, then drop us a line at letters at focusgroupradio.com. That's letters at focusgroupradio.com. Let us know the name of the movie. And include your name and mailing address. You don't have to do the mailing address if you don't want to. If that's an email that you check frequently, great. But sometimes I've gotten notes from people who've won and then they never email back because they're using like, you know, we all have those accounts that we use <laughs> for other things. So, uh, Garrett, why don't you play the clue? What is her hold on him? I have no idea. Apparently she has certain skills acquired in an establishment in Shanghai. <laughs> These are very, by the way, all our listeners, clips. yeah, all our listeners are extremely good at the movie game and they guess 
anything over 10 seconds are guessing. So, Garrett, play that again for us. What is her hold on him? I have no idea. Apparently, she has certain skills acquired in an establishment in Shanghai. <laughs> so, letters at focusgroupradio.com, name and possibly your mailing address if you don't check that email too often. Runners up, if there's, I think we might give two or three pairs of focus group socks away if you don't get the name of the title we just played. But first person to guess it over the next several days will get a copy. This, they'll get do the right thing. We need your, we need your address. Yeah, but unless they check their email. You know, mm -hmm. some people do and they say, here's my address. So another thing we want to mention is that uh, Deep Discount is going to be carrying very soon a, a new version of Sega. Well, it's Sega Genesis. It's been miniaturized, and it comes with two classic three-button panels. But it's coming out mid-month, probably around the 19th or so. But it's the classic Genesis, Sega Genesis that we grew up with, or I was growing up at the time when it came out, and I wanted one. <laughs> comes with 40 games, including Tetris and a few others that you will definitely recognize if you visit the site comes fully loaded, all set to be plugged in, and you can start playing right away. No no need for anything other than the, the kit that you buy when you buy it. So I say keep your eyes out there for Look the... Look back into the set. Exactly. HDMI cable. Done. You're, you're set. Hmm. That's, that'd be a good gift for somebody. I think so. And at the very least, these are the games that I'm actually good at. <laughs> the, the ones that are like... Go back and forth, or like space forth, invaders. Zip, 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 so what's our release this week? So the new release this week is Men in Black International on Blu-ray. A childhood encounter with an alien and a sighting of the mysterious Men in Black has led Molly to spend the rest, or to spend the last two decades trying to find the elusive agency's headquarters. Tessa Thompson is Molly. Uh, when she actually does, the uh, she's invited to join the team. This is another one of those series of. Have you watched any of the Men in Black movies? Only the first two. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I, I loved the first, because some of my favorite actors were in it, too. Tommy Lee Jones, Rip Torn, Will Smith was in the, These are the guys, that's the, the ones that I know, the originals. Liam Neeson's in this, Emma mm -hmm. Thompson. Have you, I, I remember them having a, um, a great soundtrack. Oh, they did, yeah, yeah. totally. They still do, I'm sure. So, hey, had, and then, uh, oh, we also want to mention that Rocket Man's also available out at, um, available at Deep Discount now. Did you see Rocket Man in the theater? We saw it on the, we saw an ad for it, and then Bob said, oh, I want to see that. And he re then he realized it was already out of the theater yeah. into Blu-ray. Um, Taron Egerton plays Elton John, and he did the, he, he did his own vocals, and apparently um, he used to spend a lot of time in the makeup chair to get, to be Elton John. I saw that. It said he had to shave off half his hair every day and paint his teeth. Why do you have to paint his teeth? Were Dylan have bad teeth? British. I... Oh, that's a stereotype. <laughs> Sorry, Billy. <laughs> no, no. You have to apologize to Billy. It's apparently everybody else is ganging up there. Upset. So is that why he had to paint his teeth? I don't know. They didn't explain that. I'm going to have to look at Elton John's teeth. Now. I'm going to have to check that out. But because it just ends. It says, and he painted his teeth, period. Like, I don't know what that means. Yeah, so, uh, so Rocketman's also available at, uh, at Deep Discount now. The way to get to Deep Discount is, the best way, is to go to focusgroupradio.com, click on the Deep Discount logo, and start shopping away. We like you to do that because we get credit for it. So it's Criterion Month. If uh, you missed the clue, just rewind the show, and you can hear it again and get a chance to win Do the Right Thing which is a special, uh, special Criterion gift pack with multiple discs, John says, and lots of, lots of extras. Lots of stuff. And uh, send, your, uh, send your guests from Pick That Flick to win that to letters at focusgroupradio.com. Uh, the, the Sega Genesis Mini is also available, available for pre-order, and the new release is Men in Black. Right, Garrett? 
Thanks, Deep Discount. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we have a couple of shop talks um, to discuss. One of them that John mentioned about Marlon Brando and Michael Jackson, so I'll curious about that, so stay with us. <laughs> You're listening to The Focus Group with Tim and John. Learn more at focusgroupradio.com. Focus on the savvy side of 9 to 5 with The Focus Group. Try, really try. Listen, laugh, and learn with Tim and John. I never try anything. I just do it. Welcome back to the Focus Group. John Nash with Tim Bennett. Focusgroupradio.com is all you need to know to find out more about us, all the broadcasts we have, audio, video, and of course, Unbutton, which is our Tuesday audio podcast, comes out um, Tuesday mornings, three topics, subscribe, like, and rate. All right, a couple of quick shop talks. I teased at the beginning of the show. Um, all right, so the, <laughs> the headline just says, about that time Marlon Brando confronted Michael Jackson about his sexuality, dot, dot, dot. It just gets weirder, folks. So the New York Times published a new story that Marlon Brando discussed his friendship with the sexuality and the sexuality of Michael Jackson during a police investigation into child molestation charges in 1994. Brando's admissions seem to confirm that the documentary Leaving Neverland uncovered, or seem to confirm the facts of that documentary. The newly uncovered document came to light as part of an ongoing podcast about Jackson's legal woes, which I had never heard about, no. Telephone Stories, The Trials of Michael Jackson. Uh, when asked about Jackson's romantic life, Brando made a horrible confession. We were talking about human emotions and where it all comes from. I could see from the way he behaved, he talked like that. He speaks in a very peculiar way for a man who is as old as my older, oldest son, 35, and he didn't want me to swear, Brando told investigators. I had asked him if he was a virgin, and he sort of laughed and giggled, and he called me Brando. He said, oh, Brando. I said, well, what do you do for sex? And he was acting fussy and embarrassed. Oh, Brando. Oh, Brando. Or whatever. <laughs> That's terrible. Oh, Brando. So he further elaborated that Jackson didn't hold real emotions. When the actor pressed the issue, Jackson broke down. He said he hated his father and started to cry. So I pulled back. I started to tiptoe. I realized that he was in trouble with his life because he was living in a never-never land and he couldn't swear. And for a 35-year-old man not to do that, being around people in show business, seemed very odd. <laughs> that was another, that was a little nugget there, right? And I said, well, who are your friends? He said, I don't know anybody my own age. I don't like anybody my own age. And I said, why not? And he said, I don't know. I don't know. He was crying hard enough that I tried to assuage him. I tried to help him all I could. And then Brando just finished by saying, um pretty reasonable to conclude that he may have had something to do with kids. <laughs> so this is just one of those creepy things that's going to start coming out, right? I was trying to figure out what the horrible confession was. The was horrible that? confession sounds like the, 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 the clickbait, the clickbait headline, right? Because basically Brandlow just concluded in his in police interview by saying, you know, based on how he talked, I guess you could make a reasonable assumption that he had something to do with kids, right? Right. And then they also said that he thought he might have been I think it says up here the rev that he yeah. might have also been gay, which has nothing to do with being a pedophile. But um, I don't know. Did you watch the documentary? Well, yeah, the two-parter. I had to. I had to split it up. I had to watch one one night and then the other half a couple of days later. I thought it was pretty powerful and disturbing. Did you believe the kids or the guys? Yeah, now I, sh I sure did. Yeah. 
I mean, the store, well, particularly one aspect that I got talked about a lot where one of the young gentlemen was talking about fixating on a cardboard cutout of Peter Pan while Michael was doing something to him and to himself. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty um, specific detail. <laughs> so I, I, I don't know. You know, the interesting thing about everything that went on, when that documentary came out, a number of stations kind of turned the dial down on Michael Jackson's catalog. But maybe four or five weeks went by, and the songs are all back in rotation. So, I don't know. Did you know? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I. You know, it, it said here after the that documentary came out, and and they said that a number of his close friends, including Oprah Winfrey, Aaron Carter, and Corey Feldman, have said they believe the men who claim that Jackson molested them. <clears throat> When I watched it, I was more disturbed with the parents who oh, allowed their oh, kids. Oh, oh, yeah. You know, if yeah. you're if you're okay, you you get enamored by the fact of you're getting celebrity. this getting this infection was uh, from from celebrity. But would you let your twelve or thirteen year old boy go into another part, and not just another room of the house, but a, another wing and share or in a bedroom house with an adult behind three or four different locked doors with a secret passage that you knew existed, and then the kid is kept in there. Is it, uh, <coughs> I don't, you know, that was the, when we were watching the Neverland documentary, that was the preeminent question on both my mind and Bob's mind was, if you knew that, and they described in detail how far removed some of these places locked were. Locked door, locked door, locked door. <sighs> kids were trapped in there. The parents were getting paid to pimp their kids out. Bottom Bump. line. Bump. Parents should be arrested. Bump. Don't you think? If I could take this mic off, I might drop it. <laughs> Did you guys watch the Neverland thing? I saw clips of it. What do you think of Michael Jackson? Uh, based on that movie? Or just or like, overall? I didn't really believe the movie at all. Good singer. Interesting. You didn't. Interesting. Why not? You thought the those people made it up? Well, there was one part that I knew for a fact they edited incorrectly to make it look raw, like it was worse than it was. Oh, Because there was a part where... Uh, Mark Garagos is Michael Jackson's lawyer. Correct. And they took a private jet somewhere. And the captain or the pilot taped the conversation and said he was going to release it. So Mark Garagos goes on TV and says, if anyone does this, I'll, you know, I'll go after them with the full extent of the law, blah, blah, blah. In the movie, they show the kids saying, and then we tried to sue Michael Jackson. And they go to the clip of Mark Garagos screaming, we'll go after these people no matter what. Meaning, like, they'd go after these kids, but it wasn't. He was saying they'd go after this pilot that recorded a conversation, and they edited it to make it look like oh, Michael Garrett. Jackson was trying to screw the kids in court somehow. Yeah. Garrett, so smart, smart, smart. <laughs> Once again, they constructed a story from actual pieces, Yeah, yeah. but the linearity is all, yeah. I, the things they were saying, if it was so real, they wouldn't have to make up anything. Correct. It's, present the facts yeah well he was certainly a talented entertainer and troubled talented and troubled right i mean that's well like sad. not only talented but like game changing music industry yeah. changing transforming talented yeah it's yeah yeah anyway what was the other one second is a quickie and it's the real reason shoppers are not returning to your store 
This was an interesting one to me, especially for this statistic. 86% of consumers continue to make most of their purchases at brick-and-mortar locations. That number, you'd think that everything was being done digitally, but that number surprised me. Um, yet, but being that that's the case, apparently the, the relationship between a physical store or any store and us as consumers is very tenuous, and it comes down basically to customer service, right? Yep. Yeah, it comes down to customer service and whether it could be also the little things if you go in to a store as, you know, is it clean, is it neat, is the restroom clean, is the parking lot uh, safe, taken care of? How long do I have to walk from the car to the, yeah. I actually had this conversation with a mutual friend of ours the other day, Todd, who said that he there, a new restaurant had opened in his neighborhood and he wanted to really support it, and um, but the parking lot was always filthy. So he said he said something to the owner who just kind of looked at him. He said, but then the next time I came back, the parking lot was spotless, and he goes, and it's never been dirty again. He said, but my thought was the, the the restaurant was nice inside, but in order to get in there, you had to go through this dirty parking lot. He said, you need to get somebody out there and clean up that parking lot. And um, well, Todd knows, right? Yeah, He's... no. So it, it did make sense, and they gave three other reasons. What were the they uh, gave the first, three other reasons why they said people might simply not a messy back. a messy store beyond <laughs> having a dirty bathroom, cluttered shelves, dirty floors, simple aesthetic changes, but. If the store is messy, someone's not going to enjoy the shopping experience, right? right? The second thing was stores should be shoppable before exper uh, experiential. So meaning that the basic amenities and the ability to touch and shop needs to be there before you get into all the other hocus pocus. Here's your selfie wall. <laughs> right. And then the last one was one bad experience is all it takes. This one item should, that's any industry. Anything. I've one, done Have you had a bad experience and never gone back? Yep. Somewhere. One bad experience is all it takes for you to not patronize someplace because, frankly, our, we could go anywhere else to do something, right? Or most places. Yeah, they said 69% of the shoppers were less likely to return if they did not have a good experience. And for people that what they consider high-income shoppers, it was as high as 76% would not return. I, I thought that one was interesting because, although... My my, I, where I thought this article was going initially when you when you had pointed this out was I've gone to the malls recently which are empty. Yeah. So I do find it uh, that they still say eighty six percent are still shopping brick and mortar, but maybe that's everything. Go to the grocery store, da da da. But I've gone in to buy things off season, I guess. So if I wanted a polo shirt in winter, or if I wanted a long sleeve shirt in summer, good luck. They're not carrying it. They all tell you to go online. I even went to an Orvis store to get a pair of shoes I had seen online because I wanted to see what they looked like. I just want to order blindly. They said, we don't carry shoes anymore. You have to, it's all done online. And so I, want, I need to try shoes on and okay. I want to see them. And this is my, my new biggest pet peeve with buying clothing in particular. So you're right. I'm not capable of buying. I can buy a pair of shoes offline if I have that identical pair and I know and my you know size. How it fits. Sure, or you know what it looks like. It's not cheap or yeah. glued or whatever. So there's a fitness company called Roan R H O N E Roan Fitness. They have two stores here in the city. One on Broadway, one over at the New Hudson Yards. Do you know when you go into the one on Broadway, it is more of what they call kind of a an example store. So it's example of their products. So they, if they carry 10 kinds of different shorts you could work out or run in, maybe they'll have three. And then the rest you have to figure out online. Ugh. But but this is clothing you're wearing to work out and you would like to know that it fits correctly, right? Or right. that it looks okay. Same with shirts. And then one day the woman says, you know, you should go over to our Hudson Yard store. They have a little more 
merchandise. They have more of a range. And I went over there and they did have more of a range, but they still didn't have everything in the store. So pants are the same way. I'm not just going to buy a pair of no. pants offline. Unless, of course, I no. bought them before and I know it's a Levi's, whatever, whatever, right? Restoration hardware is starting that nonsense now where all the stores are just set up like these little vignettes. But I, And I'll say, where is this certain chair I want to sit in it? Oh, that's, you know, you have to order that online. I want to sit in it. <laughs> Don't ask me to spend $5,000 for a chair and I can't sit in it. So... Is that's it, why those outlets are doing so well. Everybody buys that crap and sends it back. Is, exactly. So is the solution then, maybe in the future it's a showroom. You're able to sample all the products. You go to a kiosk. But have them all then. But you better have all your product line right. Tap, tap, tap. Okay, it's going to be delivered in two days. I'll accept that, but I do need to try it out and check it out. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy, crazy, crazy. There you go. Well, thanks for joining us, everybody. Be sure to head over to focusgroupradio.com to learn more about us, to learn about our podcast, which is TFG Unbuttoned. Also, also you can check out Deep Discount there. Be sure to click on the Deep Discount logo. It's Criterion Month, and uh, there's information about uh, the movie this week was um, Do the Right Thing. Chance to win that through. Um, That's Criterion Month. That, and then right, the, and the release this flag. week was the New Men in Black. And Men in Black International. And uh, thank you, boys in the booth, Steve and Garrett. Thank you, John. And uh, remember to uh, arrive alive, don't text and drive. Did I say it right? Was that wrong? <laughs> it's the same thing. Arrive alive, don't text and drive, don't, don't text, text and drive, arrive alive. Arrive alive. Arrive alive, don't text and drive. I don't know, I think it can work. Both ways. It's The Focus Group with Tim Bennett and John Nash. Accessible on all platforms. Subscribe, like, and rate us on your platform of choice. Learn more at focusgroupradio.com. That was a stunning focus group.